Are you old enough to remember driving before vehicles had anti-lock brakes, before a car or a truck had anti-lock brakes, especially if you lived in an area where you had ice and snow in the winter months? My first car, it didn't have that anti-lock braking system. And one winter, driving on snowy roads, you can guess, I lost control. I went off the road, couldn't stop. I'll tell you all about it coming up next. helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. Hello and happy Tuesday. Glad to have you along here for this hour of The Inner Life, trying to understand how God is working in our lives, how he might be leading, listening to that direction, that guidance from the Holy Spirit with the help of our spiritual directors here during this hour. So my senior year of high school, I would regularly give a ride to school in the morning to one of my good friends, Dan. And one particular morning in the winter, snow, as it does, had fallen. And uh, through the overnight, the roads were quite slippery. I was driving to Dan's house that morning. He lived maybe about two miles away from where I lived. And most of the roads had been driven on already or somewhat cleared. But the farther I drove toward where Dan lived, he lived a little further away from the city center, those roads, they were less traveled, they had a little bit more snow on them. And right before I made the turn onto the street where Dan lived, the main road I was on, it it had this kind of curve to it. It went around a large park in that neighborhood. And right as the curve in the road ended and it was starting to straighten out, that was where I was supposed to make a turn onto a different street to go to towards Dan's house. That that turn onto that street made my turn around this curve even sharper. And I was apparently going a little too fast that morning, at least too fast for snowy roads, because I didn't make the turn onto that street towards Dan's house. I also didn't stay on the main road that straightened out. I found myself sliding right between those two options, those two roads, and I was quickly entering the front yard of a home that was on the corner there. Now, I'd already been driving for a couple of years at that that time. I wasn't a completely green driver. And if you have driven in snow or ice in a car that didn't have anti-lock brakes, You already know this. You have to pump the brake pedal really fast to try and keep your tires from locking. You know, the pumping of the brakes, hopefully it allows for your tires to re-grip the surface of the road. So as I was there sliding into that snow-covered front yard headed directly at a tree, I was furiously pumping the brake pedal. And thankfully, I stopped maybe six inches from having my front bumper hit that tree. I sat there just for a few seconds, and the car was idling. I was letting my heart rate maybe come back down a little and and let out a sigh of relief. And then I I put the car in reverse. I backed out and onto the road, and slowly, very slowly and carefully now, made my way to Dan's house. I didn't want to lose control again. I also, you know, I wondered what the owner of that house would think when they saw those tire tracks leading up to a tree in their yard, but no damage to the tree. Well... Why this story? Well, it's because we all encounter circumstances in life where we think we are in control, but then the conditions around us, maybe they change a little, and they make us slip up a bit. And we realize, well, maybe we didn't have as much control as we originally thought we did. If you tried to diet, to watch what you eat, 
and you've been doing really well sticking to your diet. Maybe you even get a little overconfident. That is until you're suddenly face-to-face with that one food that's a weakness for you. And then as you're finishing up that bowl of ice cream or you're you're (laughs) polishing off your fifth chocolate chip cookie, you know how quickly you can lose that self-control. Control of your appetite, that can be a big struggle, but we don't only have an appetite for food as humans. Another big appetite is that biological sex drive. And that appetite is a struggle for so many. Maybe it's an area where you yourself struggle. What's worse is that we live in a culture that says indulging that sexual appetite, it's a good thing, it's normal, it's healthy. But that's a lie. The indulgence, the indulgence is not healthy. Now, that doesn't mean ignoring that appetite either. What it does mean is exercising that control, that self-control. And you might think, okay, yeah, but that's easier said than done. And you are right. I'm not trying to make out that it is necessarily easy, but it is possible. You can do it. You can exercise that self-control, living out the virtue that we call chastity. And this is what we want to talk about today on The Inner Life. Chastity, that self-control. And our spiritual director for the hour, Father Joseph Johnson, is here once again. And Father Johnson is a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, the pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Father, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thank you, Josh. Good to be with you. Well, so uh, talking about this virtue of chastity, this is, uh, I, I, we probably talk about this or about purity, about the temptation of lust, um, sexual morality, as much as maybe almost any other topic here on the program. I think it's such an important topic. So many people struggle with this. And, you know, I, I've, I've spoken with priest after priest after priest who, while they don't, you know, break the, the seal of the confessional, they talk in generalities about it is so prevalent, uh, not, not just outside the Church, but within the Church, and it's something that we can't ignore, we need to be able to deal with. I, I'm, I'm guessing that's your experience as well, Father? Yes, we live in a very sensual society, and so it's not surprising then, uh, with everything swirling around us, uh, that this would be one of the the primary uh, struggles for for many people. And it's not something new to this society. That's something that that comes uh, to us because of the the woundedness of our human nature by original sin has disordered our passions. And as you said, some of those passions are for food, uh, but but some are for other things, uh, in, including uh, sex. So when we think about you know the the vows that a religious takes, poverty, chastity, and obedience, and we think, okay, we live in affluent. A sensual society that says do whatever you want. <laughs> now we see why religious life is so important as a contradiction, a sign of contradiction to all of that, that, that poverty, chastity, and obedience are setting up uh, a higher road uh, for us uh, to, to experience the gospel. Now, for, uh, for us that are not uh, vowed religious in a convent or a monastery, we still have to live according to those evangelical councils uh, what does it look like to have a spirit of simplicity in our lives? What does it ha- look like to have a purity of heart? Uh, what does it look like to have a, an a obedient, uh, obedient disposition towards the will of God? These are the things that we need to cultivate. Uh, and so 
uh, now we we land on one of those today with this topic, uh, talking about you know what does it mean to overcome the lust that is so prevalent in our society, and and I think that one thing that is different, Josh, now than in earlier ages is, you know, you, you used to joke about when I was younger that you know oh you're going to go over to the the wrong side of the railroad tracks, you know there was a, a seedy side of town. Uh, where you could, you know, uh, indulge your, yourself with, with all sorts of bad vices. But now, anywhere you are, you don't even have to be sitting at a desk with a computer anymore. It's your smartphone in your hand. You are a click away from the bad stuff. Right. Yeah, well, so it, that, <laughs> that's uh, even, uh, you know, when I was younger, the VHS rental stores that you'd go to, at least the mom and pop ones, they'd have that section that was, you know, off back in the back corner and you didn't want to be seen kind of over there by it. You didn't want somebody to get the wrong idea that you were looking at those videos. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe before we get too far down the road on some of these two, um, as you know, Father, I, I always want to make sure that we are defining terms. And as we're talking about living a chaste life, that virtue of chastity, can you maybe explain for us what a virtue is for you know anybody who is unclear on what we're talking about in the realm of virtues? So, sure. A, a virtue is a habitual disposition towards the good, you know, and so that is something that uh, we have grace given to us by God that, that we cooperate with by our free choices. And individual choices for the good eventually uh, become uh, what we call in Latin a habitus. Uh, it's not exactly a habit in English, but it's, it's close. Uh, but that, that again, that, that disposition towards the good that, you know, uh, and that's what we want to, 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 to find here. So the, the virtue of chastity in particular would be a disposition, a habitual disposition towards the good of sexuality integrated. Uh, and that's what the catechism will talk about it as, as a, a successful integration of sexuality within the human person uh, to have an inner unity of, of, of our body and our soul. Right, so that our body and our soul are in harmony uh, with one another, and of course, vice uh, and sin—that's not something that's harmonious in our in our soul. So when we act with our body in that way, that brings this disharmony, disunion uh, that is there. So, I also want to open up the phones here too, because this is uh, an area where so many people, as we said, Father, struggle with this. So if you're listening right now. And you find this area, you know, the lustful thoughts, uh, the ready access of pornographic material, as Father was saying, you know, your smartphone, you have access to so much there. If that's something you struggle with and you'd like some advice, some insight from Father Joseph Johnson, our spiritual director, you can give us a call and speak with him. The phone number into the studio is 888-914-9149, Also, maybe you struggled with that in the past, but you've been able to find that freedom. What are some of the things that you've done in your life to be able to grow in that virtue of chastity, to be able to grow in that interior purity of heart? And we'd love to hear how God has been able to work with you, um, some of the things, the strategies maybe you've put in place that have helped you to regain that purity and that chastity in your life. Again, the phone number to share your story, 888-914-9149. 
So going back then to what you were saying, Father, we, you know, that that wrong side of the tracks, or as I was saying, you know, the the video rental store, well, there was kind of this sequestered place or area or or realm that, yeah, that, that was where you could get into a little bit of trouble there, but we didn't have regular access to it. Here we are in our modern day, and no longer is there kind of this sequestered taboo now, like I said, in the beginning of, of uh, the hour, it's, we're hearing people talk about how it's healthy, how it's, it's proper, it's normal to indulge in this, this sinful behavior. Right. Both, both the, the kind of normalizing tendency of our society to, to make what was always considered, quote, living in sin— you know, for example, that is now normal, uh, you know, but on, and then also this change that the near occasion of sin is now everywhere. Yeah, right. right. It's near. It, it, yeah. <laughs> it's right, definitely right. near. It's really near. Yeah. Right. And and of course, part of what we've got to do is uh, have an acknowledgement, a hum, humble acknowledgement of our own weakness. Right, that that we have within us something called concupiscence, and that's a big word, but concupiscence basically is uh, this disorder uh, left over as a as an after effect of original sin that has a lustful tendency w- within it, uh, and so you and I need to acknowledge it. I've had one great spiritual uh, teacher spoke about you know how we confront temptations. And he said that for every temptation, we need to be like the uh, like the the matador in the ring facing the bull. I'm, you know, if you have temptations against faith, you're just going to stare it down and say, "I believe, I believe, I believe, I trust." Right? Uh, if if you have temptations against hope, you're going to stare it down and say, "I hope, I hope, I know God's promises are true." But he said, if you have tendencies against, uh, you know, purity, he said, that's when it's like not the, the matador facing the bulls in the arena. It's like the, the people in Pamplona on the streets run as fast as you can the opposite direction, the bulls after you, right? Uh, so, so for those not familiar with that, the town of Pamplona has this great running with the bulls and people, you know, uh, are in the streets and trying to outrun the bulls and not get gored. That's what it is, this spiritual uh, teacher said, when we're dealing with chastity. You can't face it down. You can't stare it down. You've got to get out of its way. You've got to go the opposite direction. And so boundaries are going to be so important, both boundaries which acknowledge humbly I'm weak and boundaries which keep the stumbling blocks out of my path as much as possible. So humility and keeping the stumbling blocks out, that's what we accomplish with boundaries. And because technology is so pervasive, it can be difficult to, to find ways to set boundaries with, with our, our, our phones, with our computers. But thankfully, there have been good groups that have come uh, up with software that's 
uh, screening out the bad stuff and, and all of this. So there are options to, to help us with that, things like Covenant Eyes and other programs uh, that, that help with that. Or, or for men, there are programs like Exodus 90 that, that have fasting uh, from, from screens as part of that penitential uh, program and a way of developing uh, willpower. So, so all these things we have to, 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 to wrap into this great struggle. Uh, Father, you know, talking about fasting from screens, maybe you can also talk about when we fast from food, when we exercise self-control of that physical appetite, how that really can help us to, to gain self-control over that sexual appetite as well. Absolutely. So anytime, like so all of our Lenten penances, whether it's giving up chocolate or cookies or desserts or snacks between meals or, or giving up screen time or whatever, everything that we do as, as a little uh, self-denial helps us to overcome self-indulgence, right? So, so we move from self-indulgence via the mechanism of self-denial uh, to self-control, or self-mastery. So there we go. So frankly, in, in terms of sexuality, we need to think about it. Dogs go into heat and then they mate, right? We, as, as humans, created in the image and likeness of God, we've got to behave at a higher level than animals in heat. We don't just do it because, because we, we feel like it. We don't do it because we're overcome with our passions. We need to live at a higher level than that, and self-mastery is, is what we have to achieve in order to live at that higher level. And that also opens us up to something beautiful. We are not Puritans, folks. You know, uh, we don't say, oh, the body, nakedness, sex, oh, that's all bad. No, we say it's beautiful. And it has a dignity which is greater than treating it with this lust. Uh, where where the human body and and the sexual act are simply reduced to it's an object from which we take pleasure. That's all the human body is. Uh, and and so we've objectified uh, the what is the dignity and the beauty of the human person's body. And instead of of clamping the lid on a boiling pot you know, uh, trying to handle our passions that way. And you know what happens to a, to a boiling pot with a lid on it? You know, the pressure keeps mounting and mounting until there's an explosion, right? Instead of just saying, no, 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 I have to be oriented towards the good. There is a beauty. And that's what the word chastity is about. The beauty of self-control, the beauty of having the gift of sexuality within its proper harmony within the human person. Uh, oriented to something which is good, uh, not saying, oh, all this is bad and we have to say no to it. No, no, I'm reorienting towards the good. Talking with Father Joseph Johnson today here on The Inner Life and talking about that purity, that chastity that we can live out, how we find that right balance, not overindulging, not going to the opposite extreme and saying, no, we're never going to talk about sex or the human uh, relationships that we have. How do we find that right uh, path to move forward? Maybe that temptation of lust, 
that sexual desire is something you've really struggled with in your life, and you're looking for some help, some hope, some advice from Father Johnson, the phone number to call in, 888-914-9149. Maybe you've struggled with addiction to pornography, and you'd like to speak with him about some ways that you might be able to overcome that, uh, about how you can make it past that, find that freedom from that sexual addiction. 888-914-9149 is our phone number. Our email address is relevantradio.com. And we're going to be right back, uh, continue our conversation with Father here in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, speaking today with Father Joseph Johnson, the pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, and talking about the virtue of chastity, how we are able to live those pure, chaste lives. Uh, Of course, that means in whatever state. Maybe you're single, maybe you're married, maybe you're widowed. Uh, Whatever uh, state of life that God has called you to, young or old, we all are called to live a chaste life. What does that look like? How do we accomplish that? How do we Uh, exercise that self-control? Well, maybe you have a question about that and you'd like to speak with Father. The phone number into the studio is 888-914-9149, And uh, Father, right before the break, you were talking about we don't want to have a puritanical outlook to where we say, you know, anything dealing with the body or human sexuality is bad or evil or sinful. On the other side, of course, we don't want to uh, indulge in that. You know, we have to have this right outlook. And St. John Paul II, about three years into his pontificate, he wrote this apostolic exhortation called Familiaris Consortio on the Human Family. And in it, he said, Chastity by no means signifies rejection of human sexuality or lack of esteem for it, Rather, it signifies spiritual energy capable of defending love from the perils of selfishness and aggressiveness and able to advance it towards its full realization. And when I read that, number one, the defending love from the perils of selfishness, I I think we see so much of that, especially in a culture right now where we see this this back-and-forth argument, this, this vitriolic debate so many times on... Uh, the issue of abortion. I mean, the peril of love that becomes selfishness, I don't think could be any more fully actualized than in the end result of abortion in our our society right now. Um, But that we can defend love, but then also maybe you can talk about how we advance love, how chastity advances love towards its full realization. What does that mean? What does a full realization of love mean for us? What do you think uh, St. John Paul II is talking about here? Well, I I think it's beautiful. We take this passage that you've quoted, and we also uh, bring to mind his whole theology of the body. Sure, yeah. You know, which is this 
uh, over the course of many, many months, uh, you know, the Pope gives these Wednesday audiences and, and just a couple of moments at the Wednesday audiences, little catechetical teaching. And I think it was years before people caught on that, that you put all these together and he's given a whole synthetic outlook, renewing uh, the appreciation for the human body as it was created by God, the dignity uh, of our sexuality. You know, sometimes the world around us says, oh, you Christians, you just look down on sex. You think it's dirty. The opposite is true. We're the only ones that think it's holy, that it's special. It shouldn't be commonplace. It shouldn't be just do it whenever, with whomever. No, no, no. It's something special that should be treasured and guarded and protected uh, because it is an expression of our dignity. It is an expression of, of being open to being a co-creator for new life with God. Uh, it is an expression of a fullness of love, of self-gift. And instead, the world says, do it, you know, whenever, however, and it becomes an expression of selfishness. Yeah, I am, again, I'm taking pleasure. To the Christian is, I'm giving myself so fully in love to you that here I'm expressing that with my body, that total self-gift. The two become one physically to express the spiritual unity. But of course, the only spiritual unity where two have become one is marriage. And so that's what we have to understand is, is that, that that bodily expression of unity has to, again, mirror, has to have a, a unity between body and soul. So it's only within the context of the two souls being joined in the sacrament of marriage or, or in the case of a natural marriage, you know, that, that that is where we have that unity of soul, that the, the body expresses that unity. But otherwise, the body is a lie. If I give myself physically to someone in that way, but I haven't given my heart in that way, we're going to walk away from one another. We've not, we don't have any commitment to one another. Then, uh, of course, I've introduced a lie into my life, a disunity uh, disharmony that is there instead of the beauty of, of what God's plan is for this. But I think very much that theology, the body of John Paul II, we've seen one wave of, of that kind of teaching pass through Catholic circles. Uh, wonderful people like Christopher West and others have done a lot about that teaching. Uh, but, but I think now what we're finding is we have to bring that down to the youth uh, and even very young. By this, be very clear, I am not talking about sex ed. Right? Let's be real clear, we're making a distinction here. It's a way of looking at other people. It's a way of respecting other people. It's a way of denying selfishness and seeing beauty in other people. And those very elementary lessons about how to see the other person, those can be introduced in, in very young grades. Uh, and then as we grow, the physical aspects of sexuality, then they fall into place within a mentality, a disposition of heart that's already been formed with that respect for the dignity of the other, with that sense of self-gift. But I, I really think we need to start bringing that down to, to, uh, to, to our younger people and having them have the richness of John Paul II's theology of the body uh, given to them at appropriate levels, uh, you know, as they develop. Sure. Right. Right. What, what they can handle at the time, not, not going into greater detail than is necessary. 
Uh, Father Joseph Johnson, again, our spiritual director. The phone number, if you'd like to call in and speak with him, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. As today, we're talking about purity, about chastity, how we live those out, especially in a culture that is so saturated, where we are bombarded with sexual imagery and messages constantly, day in and day out. And if that's something where you struggle and you're looking for some help, you're welcome to speak with Father 888-914-9149. Father, uh, we've got Angelica calling in from Merced, California. Hi, Angelica. You're on the air with Father Johnson. Yes, hi. Thank you for taking my call. I just had a comment and then a question. So my comment was just, um, I think we need to realize that this struggle with chastity begins um, earlier and earlier for people, um, talking about um, preteens and even children, honestly, um, having so much access to technology. And so we need to realize that as well as the fact that this affects women and not just men. Um, classically, I think it's a problem we associate with men. Um, and then finally, just the question is um, for someone who struggles with chastity and wants to build up uh, good habits, especially spiritual disciplines, um, is the key to go slow so as to make it sustainable, or is it to go all in? Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Angelica, for those wonderful points. Yes, as we were just talking about that theology of the body for younger people, you know, the, the statistic I've seen most recently was that by age 10, children have already been exposed to pornography. And it's just that's a horrific thought to me. Uh, you know that 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 the innocence of our of our little ones uh, is is being you know intruded upon by this already at that tender age, but but you're right we we need to to be aware of that it, it is so pervasive and technology is so easy and so let's face it the kids are better at navigating these things than than we are and and it's easy because there is so much stuff swirling out there to stumble upon something. And that women are are finding, uh, you know, pornography and and this a, a rising uh, problem. Absolutely, I would I would concur with that as well. So it's it's not something just for men. Now, how we tackle it, little by little, I, I think it's you know we have to see where the individual is. You know, um, I think you know there are different approaches uh, based on on what your past experience has been and what your current form of the struggle is. But I, I think part of it is examining what are the triggers? What draws me down that road, right? Because let's face it, every temptation, whatever sort of temptation, not just against chastity, but all of temptations, they're all saying this, forget about God, forget about his love, forget about his plan. Let's go somewhere else and have fun, right? It wouldn't tempt me if it didn't promise happiness, but of course, a temptation to something evil, uh, to sin, is a false promise of happiness. So that's where we need to engage our intellect and say, no, 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 that's not the path to happiness. Now, sometimes our intellects get you know, swept away by our passions and we go down that road. Well, okay, then let's take a look at our past sins. You know, because sometimes there's this massive discouragement that, that comes in. I've struggled with this for months, for years, for decades. I've struggled with this, and I just can't overcome it. Well, then start to use your past experience. You did this sin before. You did this sin a hundred times before, a thousand times before. Was it really the path to happiness? Well, no. There was a fleeting pleasure, and then I was left with a great sense of emptiness and sadness. 
Ah, so then it's not the path to happiness. And you know that you've experienced that. So then the next time that temptation comes, then you just simply say, wait a minute. I've been down that road before, multiple times before, and it didn't make me happy. That's where my own past uh, falls can actually help me to start resisting at this moment. Uh, the, the other thing is discouragement is usually often one of those triggers that leads us further into that sin. You know, because some people in our world, there's so much stress, there's so much sense of loneliness and alienation, uh, there's so much discouragement that there's a self-pity that, that can come, and then this becomes an easy outlet, an easy escape. Let's escape the ugliness, of the harshness of reality into this fantasy land and feel better for a minute. Let's just get away. You know? But of course, that, uh, that escapism is not a, a mature way of dealing with the stresses in our life. It doesn't solve anything and leaves us worse off than before. But recognizing those stresses, those triggers, those, those things that lead us that direction, say, let's substitute. What are healthy ways of coping with loneliness? What are healthy ways of coping with stress? What are healthy ways of dealing with discouragement? Not fantasy and escapism, but healthy ways. I can't just say no to the only ways that I have ever dealt with those triggers. I have to substitute healthy coping mechanisms for unhealthy coping mechanisms. So through prayer, through friendships, uh, through exercise, through good hobbies and recreations, these are the things that I need to build up uh, as healthy ways to deal with the difficulties of life rather than just giving in to the unhealthy. Uh, I hope that helps, Angelica. You know, one of the things, Father, I would like to maybe go back to here briefly is you you made the mention of somebody who struggles with this sin, there can be that discouragement. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't matter what the sin is, the, the one that you struggle with in your life. When you find yourself falling into that, you give into that temptation, there's going to be discouragement at that point. That's where Satan loves, I think, to just, you know, keep us is in that state of discouragement, kind of beating ourselves up and not trying to, you know, make our way out of that immediately to turn around to repent, to, you know, call out for God's forgiveness, ask for his mercy, his grace to to help us. But, you know, one of the things that I think is also important to remember Unlike other sins where they can be done maliciously, most of the time when somebody is struggling with purity, with chastity, it's a sin of weakness. And it's, 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 I don't want to downplay it by any means. But at the same time, there are other things that can be done with far more hate, vitriol, um, that we can experience in our life. And that sin of weakness you know, just keep turning back and saying, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, do as I promise when I pray that act of contrition. I'm going to do my best to sin no more and by God's grace and avoid those near occasions of sin. Absolutely. And there is an important distinction between sins of weakness and sins of malice. Uh, but we have to, to also remember, you know, that, that, uh, we need to be careful because one sin can lead to another, sure. right? The, yeah. the whole, we would not have this massive problem of abortion if we hadn't let lust run rampant. And then we look to, to King David, right? He lusted after Bathsheba. 
and and so he committed adultery with her. And then when she became pregnant, he goes, oops, got to deal with the husband. And so he ended up being a murderer. Right. So from adultery, he slipped right on down to murder. Uh, the, the lust in our culture has slipped into a murderousness uh, of abortion. You know, so there is that. We want to be careful of that. But you're right. It is mostly a sin of weakness. And we need to have a sense of not discouragement because that's where two lies come in. The, the devil tells us two lies when we stumble and fall. He says, well, you're going to have to go to confession anyway. You might as well keep on sinning until Saturday afternoon when the confession line opens, you know. Uh, or uh, he'll say, see, you did it again. You're never going to get past this. You might as well give up trying. Right? We have to recognize when, when you hear those things, that's not the voice of God. Don't listen to it. God does not want you to be discouraged. Right? Instead, what we hear the voice of God saying is, I still love you. Let's begin again. So sometimes people come into the confessional and you just hear the heaviness in their voice. Oh, Father, it's the same old sins all over again. I don't know why I bother coming to confession. It's the same every year, every decade, whatever. And again, whatever sin it is, it's this discouragement that's there. And at which point I say, well, thanks be to God. If you had a different set of sins every week, we wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So... It's painfully obvious to me, these are the weak points in my life. This is where I most need God's mercy. This is where I most need to cooperate with God's grace to do better. Okay, then. That's a start. That's a start. So let's go forward, you know? And, and to use the grace of the sacrament of confession uh, as, as often as we need, but, but regularly, not to let long periods of time go because that discouragement is there. I'll, no, no sense going to confession again because it's just going to fall again. No, no, don't get discouraged. Keep using the grace of the sacrament there and of the whole Eucharist and the longing within our hearts. I hunger for Jesus' love and holy communion. And I know I can't give myself to sin and give myself to God. I can't bring in all this garbage into my soul and bring in the bread of life into my soul. So let the hunger for the Eucharist help us to say no to that temptation. I'm saying no to it because I'm saying yes to something so much better in the beauty of God's love, which comes to me in Holy Communion. Mm, yeah, uh, you know, that might be a good place to also just spend some time in your prayer is meditating on that fifth luminous mystery, the institution of the Eucharist, what Jesus gives us there in his body, his blood that we receive through the Eucharist. Uh, Father, I need to take another quick break. A lot of phone calls that are coming in, um, so we're going to try and get to as many of your calls as we can here coming up in just a moment. If you are listening and you'd like to speak with Father Joseph Johnson, our spiritual director, the number into the studio, 888 9149 back right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Are you battling an addiction? Our sponsor, St. Gregory Recovery Center, can help you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. 
Thanks for listening to The Inner Life today here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Joseph Johnson, the pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, and talking about the virtue of chastity here today on The Inner Life. The phone number into the studio is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father Isabella is calling in from Hollywood, California. Hi, Isabella. You're on the air with Father Johnson. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I heard before about chastity in marriage, so I, I just would like to... Um, if you can expand a little bit more about that, how to press it, chastity in marriage. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Isabella, because that's a common confusion. Uh, when people hear the word chastity, they think celibacy. So celibacy is not having any sexual relations. And so they go, wait a minute, what do you mean chastity in marriage? I thought that's where we did have sexual relations. So chastity and celibacy are different things. So celibacy is is that uh, refraining from any sexual relations as as one uh, either uh, in a state of life that is single or a state of life that is consecrated to God uh, with a promise of, of, of celibacy. But chastity in marriage just means a fidelity within marriage to uh, using our sexuality as self-gift to that unitive aspect. We talk about two aspects of sexuality. Unitive, it unites the two people in a closer bond of love. It, it builds up their bond of love. Uh, and then it's, it's procreative aspect, it's openness to life. So we talk about the unitive and the procreative aspect of sexuality. So in marriage, chastity is not refraining from sexuality, but, but rather uh, engaging in sexuality in a way that is not... Uh, demean the other person, does not see the other person simply as an object from which I take pleasure. Like sometimes people think, oh, we're married, now we can do whatever. No, there are actions, there are sexual actions that even within marriage are not allowed because they demean the other person, treat the other person as an object, right? So we want to talk about the complementarity of, of male and female. We want to talk about the openness to life with that uh, but the chastity within marriage is, uh, a, is, a, is a purity and generosity of heart to give of myself more fully to my spouse uh, and to let my body express that, to that totality of, of the self-gift. Uh, but it's not a refraining from sexuality. So thank you for helping us uh, make that uh, distinction clear to our listeners. Uh, Father, maybe you could also talk about, you know, if somebody is single right now, and they're saying, well, I struggle with, you know, lust, um, you know, I've, I've, I've battled with looking at pornography or, you know, whatever it might be as a single person. But if I get married, that's going to take care of all of that, because then I'll have that marriage as, you know, that, that marital relationship as an outlet for that energy, and I'll no longer have to worry about struggling. That That's, that's going to be uh, a false, <laughs> a false hope that's walking into that. Uh, chastity doesn't all of a sudden just magically appear once you're married. It's something that whether you're single or married, you're still going to have to work at that. Absolutely, and and you find that, and there are a lot of people that have a rude awakening because because lust is a selfishness, and and you bring that into the marriage with you, you're still selfish. Uh, and, and, it, and it manifests itself 
uh, not just in relationship with your spouse, but a continuation of, of other bad habits before. You can't simply say, I'm going to replace my bad habits because now I'm, I'm married. Nope, it does not work that way. I can tell you that as a confessor. There are, there are a lot of married men that, that uh, still struggle with this. Uh, so what we've got to do, though, is in our hearts, there is a, a deep longing. Uh, that longing is not for sex. It's for intimacy. So here's another important distinction, everyone. Please keep clear the, the distinction between sex and intimacy. The human person needs intimacy. Every human person needs intimacy. And that is expressed in different ways. We have intimacy with God in prayer. We have intimacy with other people through friendships. And we have intimacy with our spouse through sexuality. So, so sexuality is not something opposed to intimacy, but it is something distinct. And intimacy and sexuality go together within marriage. But, but if, if you're finding yourself in a state uh, other than marriage... Make sure that you're feeding your need for intimacy, because otherwise pornography lust just becomes a false you know, answer to, to what is a real need, uh, the craving of our heart for intimacy. So again, friendship is something that's so cheap in our society. We have buddies and acquaintances and coworkers, but we don't have much in the way of real authentic friendship. Uh, and so we need to develop those relationships to, to feed our, our, our soul's craving for intimacy uh, and it's a, it's a healthy uh, answer to that craving rather than the unhealthy coping mechanisms. Because the other sad thing is that, that any sin, but especially lust, it makes us lose our taste for God. It can deaden our souls to, to prayer uh, and, the, and the call to holiness. Uh, you know, and so, so we want to make sure that we don't let that you know, have a, of a strong foothold in our, in our hearts. Uh, that lust, because it will lead us further and further away from God. It's not just one little aspect of my life that I, I got to sort out. No, it, it'll actually make us lose that that flavor, uh, that that enjoyment of God's presence. That's such a good point, uh, Father. Let's uh, try and get one more phone call here in before uh, our last few minutes run out. Sally is listening in Portland, Oregon. Hi, Sally. Welcome to the Inner Life. Hi. Hello. Um, thank you for taking my call, Father. Um, I was calling because I'm a desperate mom, doing lots of prayers, but I have a, a, a young teen, she's about 15, so I'm trying to teach her about purity and chastity, but it's not going through, you know, there's so much out there, you know, her schooling, or the people she hangs out, the, you know, the internet and everything is just telling her all these lies, and I'm just trying to figure out what is out there that I can use to help me to cope with um, the battle. Well, I, I certainly I hear the pain in your voice, and and as someone that works a lot with 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 teenagers, I know the the challenges that they're up against and and the struggles. And I, I think we need a great patience and hope, uh, we, but we also need to show them the beauty again. Not that stay away from that. That's bad stuff. Okay, yes, that's true, but tell them God loves you, and He has a plan for your life. So don't portray to them God as as the angry bouncer of heaven, you know, that, that he's up there and you mess up, you're not getting in, you know, but, but rather 
or the general that's just bossing you around because especially teenagers, they don't like to be bossed around by their parents. They don't like to be bossed around by God, right? Uh, but instead, God invites you to discover his plan, which is beautiful and will lead to your true happiness. So I, I remind my teenagers uh, at school that God's plan is not easy, but it is beautiful. There's another important distinction. Not easy, but beautiful. So seek the beautiful plan that God has for you. And part of that beautiful plan is the discovery of our dignity, uh, the dignity of our bodies, uh, and the dignity and beauty of, of sexual relations in its true purpose to unite a husband and a wife more closely and to become open to being co-creators of new life. Uh, so again, to try and point our children in that way uh, towards the positive and then say these other things are going to take you away from that. Uh, and that's why we want to stay away from them. Sally, uh, I hope that is helpful for you, and thanks for calling in. A really, really important question. Father, we're down to about 20 seconds here. Uh, the hour just flew by. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? May the Lord send his holy angels to shelter you from all temptations and to, to strengthen you in purity of heart. May Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks so much for being here with us, Father Joseph Johnson. And thank you for listening and want to encourage you to stay with us here. Mass coming up next, followed by The Faith Explained. And tomorrow, it kind of uh, almost a one-two punch. You know, we talked about chastity. We're going to talk about temptation in general. Hope you can join us for that on The Inner Life.